Welcome to the I Spy with My MyOI podcast. I am your host, Brittany Murphy. I am a certified oral facial myologist, registered dental hygienist, and lifelong learner. My goal with this podcast is to bring you up-to-date and current literature and expand your knowledge of oral facial myofunctional disorders so that together we can get to the root cause of the problem. You ask, we'll answer by collaborating with true pioneers and specialties associated with the myo world. Join me on this journey as we dive into the life-altering world of tethered oral tissues and airway space. Let's do this thing. Quick disclaimer, all content expressed on this podcast are the views and opinions of the speakers and is for informational purposes only. You should not rely on this information as a substitute for, nor does it replace, professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Because every person is so unique, you should always consult with your specialized healthcare professional. Welcome to the spinoff of the I Spy with My MyOI podcast. I am happy to introduce to you Myo Mondays with Carice Laguerre and Brittany Murphy. Just a couple of Myo fanatics talking shop, bringing you real and authentic conversation as if we were all sitting around my kitchen table. Nothing's off limits, so feel free to reach out to us with your burning Myo topics. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another uh, Myo Monday with Brittany and Carice. We're excited to be here with you. So hello, welcome. Um, we want to talk about another burning, burning topic that literally every single dental hygienist that wants to get into myofunctional therapy has tons and tons of question on, questions on. Carice, right? I'm sure you agree with that. You get people reaching out to you all the time. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we're gonna we're gonna do a little role play here where I'm gonna be a inquisitive hygienist reaching out to Carice, a successful myofunctional therapist, business owner, um, RDH who has practiced myofunctional therapy in different ways inside the dental practice, outside the dental practice, privately with a dentist, and so forth. So here we go. Hi, my name is Sally, and I am. <laughs> very excited because I am really interested in becoming a myofunctional therapist and making the shift for my hygiene career. But I have a lot of questions in regards to, uh, not practicing, I'm sorry, in regards to protecting my hygiene license. So I think that my first question would be, well, first and foremost, is myofunctional therapy in my scope of practice as a practicing RDH? The very short answer, Sally, is that <laughs> it is not in, in any of the dental state practice acts. So when we're talking about scope of practice, we want to specifically reference when we're talking about our licensure, we have to reference the legislation that is going to regulate that because that's all we have to go off of for right now. Okay. So our dental state boards, they are overseers and they are making sure that, you know, we are following the rules and that we are working within our scope of practice when we're using our licensure. So long, short, no, it's in nobody's scope of practice mm -hmm. in all 50 states, oral facial myofunctional therapy, uh, myofunctional therapy, oral facial myofunctional disorders, oral facial myology, like whatever you want to call it, it's not listed in any way, shape, or form in any of the dental state practice acts. Does that mean that you can't do it? Are you able to become a certified personal trainer? Is that written in your dental state practice act? 
Can you become a, a yogi, a professional yogi? Can you get certified in yoga? Can you become a lactation consultant? Can you become a lawyer if you want to become a lawyer? Is any of that written in there? Mm-hmm. No, it's not written in there. Our state practice act is just for what's within the scope of dental hygiene. So you are able to do things outside of that. It's just knowing when to take that hat off. Mm, so I'm assuming that means that when I, to your point of just saying, taking the hat off, that when I'm practicing, I'm either Sally, the RDH or Sally, the myofunctional therapist. Yes. You're always Sally, beautiful, strong Sally, but it's just whether you are a myofunctional therapist or a clinical dental hygienist or a yoga instructor or whatever else you want to be in this world, because you can do anything. Oh, thank you. Okay. So I guess my next question would be, um, you know, I really personally, I'm trying to get myself out of the dental office, out of the operatory. So is this something that I can uh, practice on my own in my own private practice, or do I have to practice under uh, dental supervision? So kind of referencing and touching back on what we just spoke on about the scope of practice, right? When you're taking off that hygiene hat, when you're taking it off, you're taking it off all the way. You are not like part-time secretly still working under the laws and regulations of your dental state practice act. You are all the way outside of that. Just like you want to really honestly think of it like any other profession. So if you were a personal trainer and you're going to go work at your local I don't know, retro fitness, crunch fitness, whatever your gym that you are at, whatever. If you're going to go work there, you wouldn't be considering whether or not, you know, you're working under a dentist because you're in a totally different role. So yes, you can separate yourself. You just have to think of it as what it is. Yes, there's some overlap. Yes, there's some some crossover because all of that knowledge that you got in dental hygiene school, all of your clinical knowledge, a lot of that will come into play during myofunctional therapy but it's totally separate. Okay. And like, let's just say, because I have a friend and her name is Susan. Um, and she also wants to become a myofunctional therapist, but she doesn't want to open her own practice. She wants to practice in the dental setting. Do you still recommend separating the roles RDH from being myofunctional therapist? A hundred percent, because we want to have distinct clarity when it comes to our dental board, right? So we want our board to know that when we are practicing clinically, we are doing what we are within our scope to do. And when we are not practicing clinically, we are somewhere else doing something that has nothing to do with the dental office. So clock out, make Mm -hmm. sure that you don't, you know, make things too convoluted. You don't want to mix and match. You don't want to be jumping in and out of the schedule, doing a profi in the morning. Then you're going to do a myofunctional therapy assessment. Then you've got your SRP and then you're going to go back and you're going to see somebody for their third session. Then you're going to go, that's too, it's too much. It's too wild. And there's no distinct lines there. Um, So it's very important that you would either clock out, have a separate payroll, like you want as much separation as possible. That makes sense. I think that would make my life easier anyways on the day to day. Now, another question I have, because obviously I've done my research because of course, before I invest this money into an introductory course, I want to have all the knowledge that I possibly can get to be able to make the best decision for myself and what course would be the best for me. But on my search for that, I have found all different kinds of courses. Some offer certification, some don't. I mean, there's all these letters out there now. It's like alphabet soup. Um, do I need to be certified to practice myofunctional therapy? No, you don't need to be certified to practice myofunctional therapy. Uh, technically, there's no regulation around the 
the profession at all, okay? So there's nothing you particularly need in order to practice. Um, now there's some ethical and, you know, lines there that we don't want to cross, but if you've got an adequate education and a lot of these different organizations that are teaching while yes, there's no standardization, a lot of us are teaching a, the very same things. And so once you've got that foundational principle and you feel confident that you can successfully without doing any harm to anyone, treat patients, you can absolutely treat patients. There's no need for certification and certification beyond that really just means that you are proficient in one particular organization or one particular classes methods. It definitely does not provide you any sort of safety, security, licensure, registration, or any sort of protection in any way, shape, or form. Now, the certifications that are available, like I've noticed when looking at them, you know, they have the R symbol after it or the TM symbol after it. How, what is that? It's a trademark. It's a protection. <laughs> trademarks are very interesting when we talk about trademarks. I mean, people like to think that there's some sort of federal regulation around it. There is zero regulation around mm -hmm. trademarks or copyright symbols. Um, all of those are actually just used just having a paper that says this is mine. I own it. And that if somebody else tries to use it, you're able to take that then to court and you can say, this is mine. I own it. The state government recognizes that I own it and you can't use it. So it just protects those, uh, those specific organizations from being able um, to have their stuff like taken from them without any sort of notice. That makes sense. Um, and then another question I do have, well, actually, again, my, my friend Susan's in this with me and we are oh, both Susan. wanting to become myofunctional hey, therapists. Yes, Susan, she's wonderful. Um, but anyways, Susan, through her research, found something in the ADHA um, that talks about recognizing uh, the COM, so the uh, certification, certified oral facial myologist. Yes. So the ADHA, and for those of you who don't know, that's the American Dental Hygiene Association, is a professional organization, and they have a yearly review of their PRs or their practice recommendations. So they have a bunch of different practice recommendations. They have stuff in there about local anesthesia, but there are lots of different states where we can't do that. They have stuff in there about Botox, lots of different states where we can't do that. There's a lot of the practice recommendations that are wonderful and that we would love to be standard across the board. We would love reciprocity between states. We would love to have a lot of these things that they've created as their standard as our own standard. However, we have to remember that one, it's a professional organization. Two, we don't have our own state board. We are under the dental board. So anything the ADHA has to say can only go but so far because it's really the dentist and the ADA that really has a lot of the power and the influence within the dental state boards. And so there's nothing in our regulations right now that recognizes any form of oral facial myology, oral facial myofunctional therapy, myofunctional therapy, any of the words that you want to use. There's nothing in there that's recognized. And so the ADHA, yes, they have a statement and it's been heavily petitioned against and who knows whether or not it's going to stay or go, but they've recognized it since 1992. And since then, there's been no implementation in any of the dental state practice act. So I, I don't foresee that changing anytime soon. Okay. What about the ADA? Do they have a statement on it? The ADA does not have a statement on it officially as of yet. They have statements on sleep. They have statements about screening for sleep. They have statements of things that are very well associated and the oral systemic um, 
connection that we all research and hear about all the time. So they have things that are very similar, just nothing that definitively says, yes, this specific way. Now, I wish I brought on all my friends that have all these questions, but I have another friend. Can you believe it? A third friend. Her name's Sarah. You're and popular. She, I know, right? Um, anyways, but Sarah is an SLP, um, also wanting to get into myofunctional therapy. Does Asha have a statement on it? Yes. So the American Speech and Hearing Association, for those who don't know what ASHA is, um, I like that we're using all these acronyms. I just wanted to clarify because I don't know who I'm talking to. So for Sarah, being so professional. (laughs) For Sarah, ASHA does have a statement on this. And you know what? It's just like the ADHA where we have our PRs and that has been heavily petitioned against for whatever reasons, because there are numerous reasons. ASHA has a very distinct divide also within their organization as well. So they do have a statement, but we have to remember, again, professional association. It is not something that is a part of the regulatory process or a part of any of the legislation. So when we look at legislation and we look at um, where it is in for the speech and hearing, speech and audiology uh, boards, it actually is in three states. It's in three states, wonderfully along the East Coast, Pennsylvania, Um, New Jersey and Connecticut. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure Connecticut's the third one. And so what that has in their state board is that they are able to assess and treat orofacial myofunctional disorders. So it doesn't say specifically using myofunctional therapy. Um, It does say orofacial myofunctional disorders. And so it's it's a thin line to -hmm. walk there because it is written into their state practice act. So that does make it within their state of within their state, that's something that they can do. Okay, cool. I'll definitely relay that information to Sarah. Um, You know, Susan and I were talking and we were just saying how we're both members of the ADHA and, you know, how awesome would it be for there to be some kind of organization that is protecting the dental hygienist that's also an airway hygienist? Are you aware of anything? Oh my gosh. Yeah. The International Association of Airway Hygienists, the IAAH. Try saying that three times fast. It's it's a tongue twister. Um, But the IAAH is a labor of love. Um, I am the current board president and we're constantly working towards some sort of safety because in various states, board complaints have been filed against dental hygienists. And so they feel like you know, it's not something that they're able to have control of. So yes, so far to date, nobody's lost their license over and hopefully knock on wood, nobody will lose their license over practicing myofunctional therapy while under that hat and while under, you know, clocked in or under payroll or officially working as a clinical registered dental hygienist. So far, nobody has lost anything. However, we want to ensure that that's something that doesn't happen going forward. So I would encourage uh, Susan, Sarah, I don't remember which one of your friends or even you <laughs> to help. Me and Susan, Sarah's an SLP. Oh, okay. Sorry. You and Susan, I would encourage you to, to join the IAH. It's a wonderful organization where we're actually taking steps early 2023. We're going to start in three major states to file some very important documents that are going to help protect in three major states and then set a precedence for other states. That way we can protect as many OMTs or COMs or QOMs or MASs or whatever other letters are out there, protect as many of you as possible. 
Wow, Carice, you are truly inspirational. I am so glad that I was able to chat with you, that you took the time to chat with me. Are there any other questions that you think I should be asking when it comes to scope of practice? I think the best thing to ask is genuinely to just start looking on like, where can I find more information? I would personally, I would respond to that just saying, look on your state dental boards, look at your state practice acts, look through them, comb through them, figure out where it is that you can um, work within. That way you're able to, while you're in your hygiene role and wearing your hygiene hat, you're able to assess, you're able to refer, look within there and see where you have those things. Because when we're in there in the mouth and we're doing oral cancel screenings, that's a perfect time, a perfect time to start looking for oral dysfunction or signs and symptoms of such. So I would say look in the Dental State Practice Act, see where within scope you can start looking for things. That way you can make appropriate assessments and referrals, whether it's to yourself or to, you know, another myofunctional therapy professional. Wonderful. And, you know, you talked about the IAH and that sounds like something that I'm definitely interested in. Can you tell me how much that costs? Yes. If you are just a registered dental hygienist, you're not practicing myofunctional therapy yet. Even if you've gotten training, but you're not practicing, it's only $25 as an annual membership fee. Yeah. And if you're actively practicing, guess what? It's only $40. It's not even double. It's just $40 to join. And that's a year. Yes. It's totally undervalued. (laughs) So right now get in while these prices are super, super low. Absolutely. Well, thank you again, Chris. This has been a great conversation. Thank you. It was so wonderful meeting you and hearing about all your beautiful friends. <laughs> all right. Now it's Brittany. No more. No more. What was my name? Sally. Sally. Sally left. <laughs> Sally left. Um, but that was awesome. I think that this is such an important topic to talk about because, of course, we want to protect our RDH uh, license first and foremost. Um So being able to feel confident and comfortable going into myofunctional therapy, knowing the legality behind everything and what all of this certification guidelines, all that stuff stands for, because it can be controversial. It can be confusing. There's a lot of information out there, some misinformation. Um, So yeah, I think this was a great topic to cover. Um, Anything else that you want to add, Chris, before we talk about what our next discussion is going to be? No, I felt like I added so much. I, I want to know what you think. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I said, I always say to Crease, like she is like the queen of talking about scope of practice. She just illustrates everything so well. Um, and one of the things that I love about Crease, and especially I love this question. I always, when people ask me this question, I always tend to direct it to Crease when we talk about certifications, because I did go down the route of getting my COM, my QOM. Um, so Sometimes I feel like when people ask me certain questions, I kind of feel almost like a hypocrite saying that you don't need the certification to practice because I have the certification. Um, But, you know, again, why I direct this to Carice, she took all those courses. She's eligible for all those certifications, decided not to go that route and is still just as successful. There is nobody that doesn't want to work with Carice because she doesn't have ABC EFGHIJKLMNOP behind her name. <laughs> yeah, I definitely think that your work 
speaks more than those letters because there's there are people who are able to kind of game the system and acquire letters that really aren't proficient at what they do and so master your craft invest yourself in knowing your craft because I think that that's really what has put me apart and so that's why nobody asks like nobody asks are you certified are you no nobody cares they've seen my work they know and they've heard and they're well aware that they can be confident referring their patients. Absolutely. I would even challenge that even though you have all those certifications, you were successful before that, like before this you had true. those. Like Thank you. Yeah. I didn't get my COM till let's see. I took my first course in 2016 through the AOMT. They weren't offering a certification at that point. Um, I think I got certified in 2019 because I think it was right before the pandemic. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, and, and then with that being said, you know, we listen obviously to everybody and, and things that they want and things that are important to them. So we did get a lot of feedback um, from our TMIO course where having that certification, being able to say that, being able to take a test that proves their competency and proficiency in it, it sometimes is important to people. And we understand that. So, you know, we did develop um, a certification for our TMIO course, which is MAS, Myofunctional Airway Specialist. But back to the point that Chris talked about earlier earlier in the episode is it's a trademark name, right? That's not going to make you better than the therapist down the street that doesn't have a certification at all or has a different certification. Although our therapists are pretty phenomenal, just saying. Oh, uh, well, yeah, yes. This is no, 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 absolutely. Yes, we are a little bit biased, but... Um, you know, with that being said, we, we did develop that because we know that it is important to people and we want to make sure that everybody feels confident and, you know, ready to just go and launch, launch their practice and hit the ground running. Um, with that being said, I think we have ended our conversation on scope of practice. We talked about a lot of different, very important topics. And next week we will be talking about top tips for the new myofunctional therapist. Ooh. <laughs> All right, everybody have a wonderful week and we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of I Spy with My Maya Y. If you want to hear more about these episodes, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or feel free to contact me at hello at myctom.com. Don't forget to subscribe as well and let us know of any subject or guest speaker you'd like to hear from. Help spread the word by sharing today's episode on your social media page. You can find me on Facebook at CT Oral Facial Myology or Instagram handle CT underscore Oral Facial underscore Myology. Everybody have a wonderful day. 